you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisfossshow.com. Thechrisfossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. It's so wonderful to be here with you again. Geez, we can all just come together and unite, be as one on the Chris Voss Show, because that's really what it is. It's about being the one, uniting, uh, aligning our minds in a spectacular way of being even more brilliant and, uh, and uh, intelligent as it were. And we're also going to laugh a little bit, too. Should we do that as well? That sounds like a good deal. Anyway, uh, wow, we've already got the comments just flooding in from our guests. Uh, amazing fan base. Clearly not mine. <laughs> there you guys. Uh, welcome oh, all three of my fans are here. All awesome. three of your fans are here. So there you go. And I'm one of them, <laughs> sir. Uh, so we've got an amazing author, a multi-book author, who's going to be coming to you with some incredible business books and writing and authorship uh, uh, stuff that he's done. And uh, he's going to expand your mind and make you more brilliant. And, of course, I'm just here to make you laugh and tell stupid jokes. Uh, so in the meantime, that's all the more reason to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to Goodreads.com for Chris Voss, YouTube.com for Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com for Chris Voss, and uh, see us over on Chris Voss 1 on TikTok. Uh, today we have him on the show. He's the author of the newest book. comes out June 20th. 2023. Josh Burnoff is on the show with us today. Uh, and uh, his title of his book is called Build a Better Business Book. How to Plan, Write, and Promote a Book that Matters. A Comprehensive Guide for Authors. He's joining us on the show today. Uh, he is the author and co-author, editor, or ghostwriter of eight business books that's a lot going on there uh book projects on which he has collaborated have generated over 20 million dollars for their author his most recent book the one we just mentioned uh and he is also the author of writing without bullshit boost your career by saying what you mean writing without bullshit he must have read my book uh toronto's uh, globe and mail called it a strunk what a strunk and white Strunk and White business. for the modern knowledge worker. Yeah. He's a author of Groundswell. <laughs> Winning in a World Transformed by Social Technologies, which is a Business Week bestseller. And he writes a blog post on topics of interest to authors every day. His blog has generated 4 million views. Uh, welcome to the show, Josh. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here and talk to your audience. It's great for you to have, uh, to have you here as well. And we've been friends on Facebook for uh, probably a number of years, I think. Yeah, so. well, you know. Faith, the Facebook thing happened and all of us signed up in like 2007 and now we're all still friends. Wait, so you didn't follow me as a friend? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, it's amazing how that whole thing worked where you just kind of found friends through the amalgamation of, of, uh, of, uh, everyone getting together. And then of course, finding out who the smart ones were and blocking and kicking all the rest. So you made the cut or I made your cut. One of the okay. two. We made each other's cut. So give me a dot com so people can find you on the interwebs. Okay. People want to connect with me. Everything is at burnoff.com. That's B E R N O F F.com. There's a blog there. I, I post every weekday, and uh, burnoff.com slash books will give you access to my books. There you go. So, Josh, uh, we, we need to establish one thing. What is a struck, strunk? Is this <laughs> so, a Canadian thing? So, no, it's uh, probably the most influential book ever written uh -huh. uh, uh, about writing and the quality of writing was called. The elements of style and the authors were strunk and white oh. uh, okay so uh that's eb white who went on to become the editor of the new yorker yeah um so to say this is a strunk and white for the modern knowledge worker is sort of like saying you know this is the the uh, new testament of the bible it's like oh there you go. that's the next thing we need to read see this is uh, why i do this show i learn stuff every day and, and my audience says I, too I, I, I intend to help people get smarter. So let's do that. That's what our job is. All right. So uh, let's get into it. What motivates you want to write your latest book here? Well, what motivated me was that after 15 years of working with authors and eight years of doing that exclusively, 
the authors I was working with kept asking the same questions over and over and over again. Questions about how to get published, about how chapters are structured, about how to have an idea that's actually worth writing about, and questions about how to promote a book. I mean, obviously, step one is to get on the Chris Voss show. But after that, <laughs> there are a lot of other questions that people have about book promotion. So I said, all right, let me write this all down. And 70,000 words later, now there's a book that's got everything an author needs to know about how to create and be successful with a business book. And this is really important. We should probably hand this out to people because uh, we get pitched hundreds of times a month on the show, if not a thousand. It's it's quite, it, it, yeah, I spend a lot of my day, I spend about half the month saying no. Um, and I wish I could say yes, but I mean, I, I, I can only do two to three shows a day. There's a weekday. There's, there's just only so much I can do. And people sometimes get angry about me, but this is a book they should read because how to build a better business book is, is really important. Uh, well, part of my goal here is to get there to be less crappy business books in the world. <laughs> okay. So maybe if there are fewer crappy business books, they won't keep pitching you. Um, mm -hmm. and people need to understand what it means to differentiate a book, how to have an idea that's that's a big idea that's actually right and that is differentiated from the other 73,000 books on the same topic. Um, and, and they need to understand how to structure things so that you don't write the book that we've all read, which is like, oh, there it is again, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. Why do I keep reading the same thing over and over again? This could have been a goddamn blog post. So, so hopefully, Hopefully, I can educate people so that they can produce books that are worth doing or give up and do something else if they're not smart enough to do that. You know, there's a shirt and a brand line for you right there. Uh, you don't have a book. You have a blog post. Uh, you know, I, I have people that, you know, I'll consult with on starting a podcast, and they'll, they'll call me up and they'll be like, hey, Chris, I so good this idea for a podcast. I'm like, okay, what is it? And they tell me, and I go, you have an episode. You don't have a podcast. You have an episode. <laughs> you have like an hour or two of of data, and you got nothing after that. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> so you should you should do that. You should you should make that shirt seriously. I, that would be funny as hell. Uh, Seth Godin gave you a nice review. Uh, you know, I read your book, and uh, it helped me because I my next book was going to be uh, building a company on uh, have and not having hangnails or something. I don't know. I just made that up. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe not the best title. Right. Not the best title. And so your book helped uh, dissuade me from uh, starting that. So let's give it, let's get into the depth of this a little bit more. Uh, let's get a, uh, uh, some ideas and concepts out of you uh, on what you put in the book and uh, some ideas. Okay. Uh, well, let's start with this. What does it mean to have an idea that's worth writing a book about? So we can already screen out a whole bunch of people who shouldn't be contacting you. So hangnails well, are out? Yes. Well, okay. it depends if it's a medical book, I guess it could be. But, yeah, that's but, true. Huh? But but that's not a business need, book. Or yes. You need, you need three things. <laughs> okay. First of all, it has to be a big idea. And all that that means uh -huh. is that there's a specific group of people for whom this is significant. So mm -hmm. if you're going to write a book about, let's say, the effect of artificial intelligence on the workplace – well, there's a lot of people in the workplace, a lot of managers, a lot of people need to hear about that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is it needs to be right. Now, obviously, uh, you know, new interesting ideas, you can't always prove they're right, but you at least need some evidence. You need some case studies, people who did it this way and were better off. Statistics and data is excellent. You just need some sort of information that makes it right and something new about uh, that information, that is, it can't just be rehash of what's already out there. The mm -hmm. third thing, actually more important than the other two, is that it's a new idea. So I said big, right, and new. Oh. A new idea is one that is differentiated. So, yes, if you're going to write a book about the metaverse, well, there's a lot of books about the metaverse. <laughs> but if you're going to write a book about how the metaverse is going to lead us all to have strokes and heart attacks from sitting in our chairs all the time. What? Uh, that's, that's a new, I, well, I didn't say it was right, but it would be a new idea. So you need to differentiate. There has to be some sort of a spin or way of looking at it or a perspective that makes people say, Oh, I haven't seen that before. Unless you self uninstall the metaverse. Yes. Uh, unless you can complete the sentence. This is the first book that blah, 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 ah. blah, blah, blah. Unless you can complete that sentence, you don't, you, you shouldn't really be spending your time on the book. Wow. 
So it needs to be right. It needs to be new. And it needs to be big. And it needs to be big. Yeah. So it can't be small. You can't go yeah. small. You got to go big. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th these are real important facts because, uh, you know, I mean, I I've gotten a lot of weird book uh, pitches. In fact, sometimes it's kind of fun to get the book pitches because you're like, really? You wrote that? But I mean, the same can be said about my book. So there's that. Uh, somebody, somebody uh, in the audience says, "I need to update my book on job hunting with social uh, media or social networking." Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, do what you want, man. It's your book. Um, you know, how many books get written every month? I think it's like hundreds of thousands. I, I don't. Well, you, we're with with uh, platforms like Kindle Direct Publishing. Anybody can put a book out there and say, "I wrote a book." Yeah, so I don't. I don't think it's hundreds of thousands a month, but I do think it's hundreds of thousands a year. And if you're talking about business books, there's definitely thousands of things that could be classified as a business book every year. Yeah. Um, and you know, how many of them make an impact? Hundred, hundred and fifty, certainly not nearly as many as are published. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership institute.com now back to the show i know i see that their pitches i mean I, I love people that have ideas and they give them and like i said we wish we could have more focus on them yeah. but uh this is from uh there's a few different data out here so i'm going to throw some out just for shits and giggles for a conversation piece the awful truths about book publishing uh the numbers of books being published every year has exploded i'm i'm seeing between by 2020 Boker had given out 40 million ISBN registrations to U.S. publications. There's some people are quoting me two million dollar two million books were self-published. 1.7 million are published in 2022 statistics. It seems to be a, 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 it's about two million a, a year, roughly give and take, depending upon depending on what the internet tells okay. me. Maybe we should ask for GPT so for so we can get more information. But that's an extraordinary number of books that are failing miserably. They're probably are never going to get to the top. Why do you think so many of those authors of books fail? Okay, so first of all, I want to pick apart some of those numbers that you've got sure. here. Um, you got to understand that now it's trivial to upload a file to. Uh, to Amazon and then your published author, right? They do print on demand. So, so there's no need for any to be actually printed until somebody actually buys one, then they print it and bind it on the spot there and send it mm -hmm. out. So to call those, even call those books is a bit of a stretch, right? It's, it's the potential book that, that isn't going to be a book until somebody actually buys one. Mm -hmm. So let's clear up, clear away all of that crap. Um, the reason that that people write business books, uh, uh, the ones that don't succeed, is because they because it's about them. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to uh, write about my experience of starting a company. I started a company in 2022. I have uh, generated sixty one thousand dollars worth of revenue in 2023. So obviously, I'm the world's foremost expert. Um, and the the challenge is that in order to be successful, it has to not be about you. It has to be about your readers, right? Your reader is, is thinking, well, how do I have more energy? Uh, you know, what, what diet should I have to have more energy? Or, um, I, I'm suddenly in this position where I have to manage a team and two thirds of them don't even come into the office anymore. They're all working remotely. How do I do that? So if, if there's a big question that you can answer, and if you have actual data or experience or case studies to back it up, absolutely go for it. But if it's like, I'm so great because I did this thing once, well, nobody gives a crap. <laughs> 
That reminds me of back in the day when uh, I think I was at a hundred thousand on Twitter, and I was like mm-hmm. one of the top Twitter's top thousand users or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy that I saw on Twitter, and he was selling a course because he got from zero to a hundred within thirty days on Twitter. <laughs> followers. And I'm like, you're selling a course for this? Like seriously? But you know, we, you and I, have probably seen that all over social media over the years. But so what you're saying is, is it's not about. Uh, so much you, but solving problems for your readers and the people are going to buy your book. Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. So that's, you need a class of people who've got a problem, mm-hmm. right? So my, I, book, I have a lot, I have a, I'm on social media. There's a lot of people that have a lot of problems. Yes, but you need, you need one solution that yeah. fits a whole bunch of people. And that's the um, problem. I can't solve all their damn problems. <laughs> you know? Well, I can't solve all of people's. So if you look at, I mean, this, this book is a niche book that I wrote. This is yeah, for yeah. people who are, who want to be an author, right? And, and if what your issue is, is that you want to be a tennis player, well, then my book isn't going to help you. You know what? You give me a great idea for a business book. I can't solve all your motherfucking problems. God damn it. Solve it yourself. How's that? Uh, that. That sounds like a good title, but the next step is we have to Google it and see if someone already wrote it. Uh, someone probably did. That or it's not. We're going to make it. I, Amazon's I, going to be I, like, I, we're not putting that. I, I, I can't. I can't resist this. When I so when I work with authors on ideas, <laughs> right? I do this thing where I meet with them and and somebody that stands in for their audience, and we do this idea development session. And I say, well, I use two very sophisticated tools. The first one is thesaurus.com. Right, because sometimes the word you want for your title is just a little varying from the words that we're talking about. Yeah. And the second one is the universal search engine for book titles, which is called Amazon.com. So they're like, oh, here, why don't we call the book this? And I type it in, and I'm like, well, actually, turns out that Daniel Pink wrote that book in 2021. Mm-hmm. So maybe your title, your thing with the same title, maybe we shouldn't really be using that. Books have become like dot-coms, where it's like it's so hard to find a unique thing. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that that's actually not true. Oh, okay. Um, I stand corrected. You're the, author, now, you're the expert here. Well, I, I do this all the time where mm-hmm. we – we I work with authors and we turn around these ideas and they and what happens is I use I, I'm a word guy, right? Mm-hmm. So I listen to them and I'm like, oh wait, you said this thing. I never heard those those that phrase before. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go and search it on Amazon and I'm like, oh my God, there's no book with that title. You could own that. Um now, yes, if you go look at the dot dot com, it might be taken, but you know, this is I mean, if you if you look at um uh, my previous book, Writing Without Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I was, people were like, how the heck did you come up with that? That's, that didn't somebody, I'm like, no, I typed it in and it's like, oh, nobody's got this. And that's really what I wanted it to be about, about how to be direct and clear. And I'm like, okay, I own it. And for, for uh, the first seven years of my, my independent uh, work, withoutbullshit.com was my website. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. My next book, we, we found a lane. Uh, I was really surprised we found a lane and it came to me one day driving the car. I was listening to a lot of different business books yeah. and leadership and, and, uh, it, it, I, I have to finish writing the book, but, uh, if it sticks, uh, on the material of the title then it sticks, but yeah, I was really surprised. I looked on Amazon and I had to blink twice and I'm like, are you, are, are you for real? And uh, sadly, I can't tell anybody what it is, but it, no, it no. has something to do with the, no, it's actually called, uh, I can't fix all your mother, whatever I reference. <laughs> I don't want to say all that for YouTube. Uh, I've already kind of blown my, my, the thing there. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, what makes you talk about what makes business books boring and clearly you read my book. So, yeah. uh, so what, what, what is that? Uh, you know, how do people not be boring in their business books? Okay. Are they just boring in life? Are these boring people? In life? Uh, you know, even boring people can write excellent books Oh, and even interesting people can write boring books. So no, it's not about how boring they are as an individual. Just hope for um, me. Uh, I, I, I have to say I'm, uh, I having done a few podcasts before this, I looked at the video recordings and I'm like, Pick it up a notch, burn off. You're boring. <laughs> so, I'm not boring in print, but in, in person, I got to work on it. Anyway, anyway, how not to be boring. The number one thing, the simplest thing, the easiest thing, the most powerful thing is that books are made out of stories. Oh, that includes oh, business books. Stories. Okay. So you need to tell me about Sarah who, uh, you know, 
was suddenly realized that artificial intelligence was going to change the way that she did her work and the challenges that she had and then how she learned to use AI to be successful. And that's, I've just made that up. I have no idea if that exists. But if you find these stories about people that your audience can identify with, mm -hmm. people that are like, oh yeah, that's like <laughs> me, then you succeed. Um, the, the first book proposal I ever wrote, I, at the time I was at Forrester Research, and I was their expert on the future of television. Um, made a whole bunch of interesting predictions, and I wrote a book because I'm like, this is this is going to change everything, and I was right about it changing everything. I sent the proposal to an agent, and the agent comes back, and he says, I can't sell this. <laughs> and I said, why not? There's some shocking changes coming. And he's like, there's no people in here, and there are no stories in here, and business books are made out of people and stories. And I was like... I could do that. <laughs> so from that point forward, it was always about interviewing people and the experiences they had and explaining what, what happened with them. And that's what people remember. They're like, oh yeah, that person at the beginning of chapter three who had writer's block. And then you explain how they got past it. That's me. I understand that. There you go. You know, stories, you know, we talked about this on the show. I think my audience has heard me say it ad nauseum, but it's important. Stories are the, are the uh, owner's manual to life. <laughs> and that's how we learn from each other. Because uh, I didn't get my owner's manual in the mail, did you? I think the post office sent it to Zimbabwe. Uh, well, I got it delivered to me orally by my dad, but eventually oh, okay. that kind of information goes out of date, and you have to figure it out on your own. Yeah, yeah. most guys get it delivered orally to them by their wives, telling them uh, <laughs> how boring they are and how they need to do better at uh, folding the socks or whatever. Uh, that is. Well, so there you go. I'm not going there. Yeah, I think you went a different way than I did with that joke, but that's okay. Uh, we all get it. Um, so, you know, you talk about a number of things uh, in the book. One aspect of, uh, is de deciding between the three publishing models. And this is really important to me because at first I was going to try and push my book to go <clears throat> full publishing. And I was hoping since we have such a great relationship with, you know, Simon Schuster and Penguin Random House on the people, they might pick it up. But then I talked to some of my friends who actually were big time CEOs who put out books with major publishers and man, they talked me the hell out of it. Mm. It was kind of interesting. Um, but you talk about uh, traditional self-publishing and hybrid and uh, the different axioms of costs and speed and influence and stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause that's, that's real important in the decision-making yeah. I think that people have to make. Yeah. So the, traditional way that everybody knows about is you write a book proposal, which is a significant amount of effort. Mm -hmm. You get an agent and then you shop the book to publishers. Mm -hmm. um, and of course that's a crapshoot. You might get picked up. You might not. The most important thing these days to publishers is what promotional resources do you have? Mm -hmm. G given your podcast audience, Chris, I think you could actually do that and succeed. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, if you succeed with that, you, the good news is you're probably going to get an advance. So they're going to pay you, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 uh, to write the book. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to wait 15 to 18 months for it to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did an author survey and what I found was that, uh, it confirmed what I'd known anecdotally from working with authors, which is that all authors are unhappy with their publishers. Um, it's that there's a lot of things they're unhappy about, but the most important thing to recognize is that when you have a publisher, it is still your job to get the book edited and be great. They're not going to have their editor do a lot of that work mm -hmm. and all of the promotional effort or 90% of the promotional effort is your job. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're like, so these people are like, you know, I have a book with a major publisher and it didn't sell. Well, what did you do to sell it? Because the publisher isn't going to do that. Now, yeah. put that aside. Second model is hybrid publishing, where you basically hire a publisher to publish your book. And if you look right, this, this book is hybrid published. My mm -hmm. publisher is Amplify. Um, I've done two of the books I ghost wrote, Amplify published. Um, and one of the books that I wrote when I was an analyst was published by Greenleaf, which is another one of these hybrid publishers. Mm -hmm. um, and you end up paying tens of thousands of dollars up front in that situation, but the royalty rates are higher. So if the book sells a lot, you could actually end up making more money that way. Oh, wow. Um, 
yeah, but if it doesn't sell a lot, you're out those tens of thousands of dollars. Basically, you're taking more of the risk as opposed to the publisher taking it. Hmm. Um, and in my author survey, the people with hybrid publishers were significantly happier with their publishers than oh, the really? ones with traditional publishers. And there's a reason for that. The, the customer of the hybrid publisher is you, the author. That's who's paying them. Mm -hmm. Whereas the customer of the traditional publisher is the bookstore. That's where they get their money. So you, the author, are like an important supplier, just like the printer is. Whereas when you hire a hybrid publisher, then you're you're the customer. the The third way people can get books out, the easiest way, is to just self publish. And mm -hmm. you know, you basically, for just a few thousand bucks, you can hire people to do the cover and format the pages and get it set up on Amazon and so on. Um, but of course that, uh, is most likely to be a paperback. It's, it doesn't have a lot of impact and, uh, you know, while it's fast, you can typically get a book out in three or four months. If you do that, as opposed to the 15 to 18 months in traditional publisher, about nine months at a, uh, at a hybrid publisher while it's fast, it's, it's unlikely to just take off. And there are people who self-published and have sold millions of copies. Phil M. Jones, uh, the uh, sales expert, uh, wrote exactly what to say. He uh, he was enormously successful, but most of those self-published books go nowhere. Again, the author's responsible for almost everything, including all of the promotion in that situation. Yeah, you have to spend a lot of time town squire, the town squire square. Uh, yeah. yelling on your little soapbox about your book but even then you know i've had people on the we, we joked about how uh you know I, I get pitches on the all the time from pr agencies you know top number one amazon seller this this guy sold uh, worldwide and then i go on amazon and they have like one review but what's funny is is and, and i'm just like seriously uh you know what was that like uh, a nanosecond of an hour on amazon or something you you compose those numbers and launch but you know what's funny is sometimes major publishers and we're talking simon schuster penguin random yeah. the people auto book to show um i've had authors on they have one review and uh you know sometimes it's kind of a niche topic you know like physics and how how uh i don't know math works and you know people that that's that's not a they're not a big fan of yeah. that but you know they're going to maybe sell in colleges but uh so i've seen it in major publishing you know one th one thing i don't know if you write about this in your book but one thing that interests me <clears throat> and the people that swayed me from going the big publishing route yeah. was uh copyright control mm. well in most cases you're going to retain the copyright even with a major publisher mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you retain all the rights. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, with a hybrid publisher, with my book, if I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to take the first three chapters out and publish another book. They're mm -hmm. like, it's your book. Do what you want. And I'm, and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to self-publish it on Amazon. They're like, well, mm -hmm. we don't think that's a good idea, but it's your book. Do what you want. Whereas when you work with a traditional publisher, they have exclusive rights that are mm -hmm. listed in the contract. And... If you say, um, I want to come out with a paperback edition, they're like, nah, you know what? We don't think we want to do that. And yeah. that's the end of the conversation. And sometimes they pick your cover too. I've had authors on the, oh, on the show that would complain about that. Well, and the other big problem is, is, is the timing. And if you're writing a book on like AI, uh, we had an author on who wrote a major published book with on NFTs. And of course, by the time it got to market a year after, you know, they do their whole planning thing, it, you know, NFTs were dead. Uh, we, we just had someone on a brilliant mind on, on the SCOTUS in the court and the book is brilliant. It's current yeah. and up to date, but you know, we had him on the day the SCOTUS is SCOTUS, uh, the Supreme court's putting out mm -hmm. one of his most extraordinary things this week of some of its most extraordinary, uh, decisions. And I'm like, geez, if you could have put, you know, he, he missed the whole, uh, he missed the whole uh, Roe Ro versus Wade getting overturned, mm -hmm. all because it took a year and a half for the major publishers to get his book yeah. to the thing. Yeah. So now he's probably got to go run and do updates for you know all the new yeah. stuff that was in his book. But yeah, that's a that's a big challenge. That, you know, waiting a year, year and a half to get your book published with a major publisher. Yeah, it's not just a question of the book ideas becoming obsolete. Mm -hmm. And any book that has anything to do with technology, that's a big challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, Groundswell, the the book, first book that I wrote about social media with my colleague Charlene Lee, um, 
we thought about that all the time because we're like, we're writing about this. This could change. Yeah. And yeah. If you go look at that book now, there's a there's a whole chapter on MySpace uh, in there. So people don't <laughs> don't really have a whole lot of interest in that anymore. Um, it's but, still around. I yes, still use it. Please, it's not really an important strategic <laughs> perspective. But but uh, it's not just that. Um, it's it's that the people write books because they want it to have an impact. They want to mm -hmm. generate leads or they want, they want to increase their reputation. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to wait. If, if I have stuff to say now, I don't want to wait 18 months for that stuff to get out there and to actually generate business for me. So people have books that they want to do something for them, um, especially in these fast moving kind of markets there, they get frustrated with, with the schedules of traditional publishers. There you go. Let's talk about uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and yeah. uh, what will AI do to the worlds of books? Because I've seen people saying, hey, you know, you could punch out a book and write it really fast. We talked about some of the issues a second ago of, you know, how long it can take for delays. I mean, if you write a book about AI with major publishers, and then you got to wait a year for that baby to come out after your final edit. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just going to look kind of maybe foolish. You're going to be on to GPT-7 by the end. Yeah, GPT-7, your book's all about GPT-4. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about that. First of all, um, I've seen people who are actually publishing books written almost exclusively by AI, and they Seriously. suck. They stink. They're terrible. And do they even edit them and put the human well, in, or do they one, just reprint one, what's in there? One hopes that they edit them, but but the problem is that um, among all of the things that that uh, ChatGPT and its its uh, competitors do, there's this thing that's missing that every real author has. It's called wit. Okay, ah, yeah, so uh, ask ask chat gpt to write some jokes sometime and you'll see boy this thing really has no idea what humor is yeah, needs to work um, on stand-up routine yeah and and wit is not just that it's it's which things you put in which order it's how you had you lead people down the path and then suddenly veer off in an mm -hmm. interesting direction it's short and long sentences it's the choice of words the the unique choice of words it's you know every author has got some element of that um and uh that doesn't show up in in AI writing now. No. Now, will this affect the way authors work? Absolutely. I'm working with an author right now who uses ChatGPT as an aid. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? So you're like, read this research study and, and summarize it for me. Oh wow, you did that in nine seconds. Wow, that saved me a lot of time. Yeah. Um, read <laughs> this thing that I wrote. And tell me what you think the three main ideas are. Oh, those aren't really the ideas I wanted to emphasize. I better go back and fix that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did an exercise recently with book titles where I put in descriptions of books. And I said, give me what you think the best title for this book would be. Mm -hmm. And it would come up with four bad ideas and one pretty good idea. And I thought, okay, if I was doing an exercise like this, we could maybe get to that good idea by having a conversation with, with chat GPT. So um, just like spell checks are, are an aid, right. That, and you know, that, that now you, when you're writing, it's like, Oh, you left a word out of this sentence. It's like, Oh yeah, good that you noticed that these are things that will help people write. But the idea that it will do the writing, that's the, the books are, like that are going to be really boring and there's no way they'll be successful. And I can see when chat GP does stuff for me. I mean, they're, they're pretty good at like doing little PR blurbs or ad copy, you know, but you have to edit it. You have to put the human in it. You know, you, I, I have this vision of injecting the human into the machine and uh, maybe that should be the cover thing. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and there's, then there's the recent thing with the attorney, who used chat GPT to write an argument. Well, that's the other problem is that, the, that it, it, it was, was bunk. Yes. It makes stuff up. So that's the other yeah. problem is the accuracy issue. Yeah. Well, um, plus the and, internet is full of, you know, all sorts of 
non-factual made up. Yes, but this is where crap. the human comes in. If you're yeah. like, oh, well, here's a study that was published in madeupshit.com. <laughs> may, maybe I shouldn't include that. Whereas if it gets, just gets sucked in by chat GPT, you're like, oh, okay, I'll put that in. And what's the source? Well, it didn't tell me that. Didn't realize that's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have those notes in there. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. It'll be interesting to see how people use it because I can always read uh, a chat GPT copy. And unless someone's injected enough human in it, I can read the bot. I can tell it's a bot. There's a there's a static nature to it. I, I don't know a staccato. There's 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 a stanza to it. I think maybe is the word I'm looking for. I can tell yeah, by the that yeah. that 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 it does. It it is the evenness of it. Yeah, it's the consistency. And people mm -hmm. are like, you should be consistent. Well, oh. if all of your paragraphs are <clears throat> are three sentences long and all of your sentences are twelve words long. You'll fall asleep when you're reading stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that. There's just, I don't know, like like one of the things ChatGPT does when you ask it to write things is at the end it says, and in conclusion, well, yeah. man, the only other people who write that way are college students with no imagination. So yeah. please, as human beings, we can do better than that. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what what uh, comes of ChatGPT. I know I know, like I said, it made it makes some better copy and ad copy sometimes, but you still have to inject the human. Um, you know, in writing books, you know, I, people said, well, you know, podcasts are going to replace by the thing by uh, AI and bots, <clears throat> and I'm like, I don't think they can be funny or not funny as much as I can be. Um, the wit, like you mentioned, is a big deal in into it. Um, and people just people just uh, need to realize that we're just going to become better editors. I think is mm -hmm. what I've decided on ChatGPT. Yeah. Like we might let write copy less, or we we're going to become better editors. Oh, yeah, people become more productive. Mm -hmm. And and you know whose jobs are threatened? Whose boring people. <laughs> right. If you are less interesting wow. than than a bot. Uh, and you're in the creation business, if you write copy that's less interesting than what a bot can write, then you should have your job replaced because uh, we need people who are better than that. Wow. Shots fired at boring people from Josh <laughs> Burnoff on the show this morning, people. Wow. Who hurt you, Josh? Show us on the doll where the... Oh, God. It, it, well, just uh, <laughs> edit edit a few 60,000-word boring oh, manuscripts, and you then go. you'll understand who hurt me. I see you. Hurt you. <laughs> There you go. Uh, one thing that's important about your book that I'm sure uh, listeners and, and audience wants to know, uh, you know, your book projects generate over 20 million for their authors. Um, you talk in the book about promoting your book and maximizing your sale and revenue, ka-ching, and influence. That's what people really want. Mm -hmm. to give us a little teaser on that, if you would. Okay. So first of all, let me talk about the $20 million number. Mm -hmm. That is not saying that these books generated $20 million in royalties and advances. Because if you look at people who make money from books, they're making money from speaking, they're generating leads for their businesses. Uh, one person I worked with built a business around the reputation that they built from the book and sold it for millions of dollars. So wow. that's how you make money from books. And mm -hmm. the people who make millions of dollars from book sales, you know, the Malcolm Gladwells and Daniel Pinks of the world, even though that's happening, they're also making millions of dollars from, from public speaking. Yeah. Now, to, to the biggest mistake that authors make is that after they write the book and turn it into whoever's laying out the pages, that they relax because it's like, oh, whew, finally done with that. No, this is when you need to start planning your book promotion. Mm -hmm. um, and there's five pieces to that. You can remember it by PQRST. P is positioning. What you know? So what kind of book is this? This is a business strategy book for financial services executives, right? Q is what's the question it answers, uh, the big question that people have that it answers, and then the R, S, and T are the tactics. R is reach, how are you going to hit as many people as possible? Yes, appear on the Chris Voss show is the start of that, but we need yeah. to go further. Uh, S is spread. What stuff will you have that actually people will want to share and spread? And T is timing, because unless you make sure that as much of that promotion happens over a short period of time as possible, it's attenuated and it doesn't have the impact it should. 
There you go. You know, the revenue part of it's hard. Uh, you know, it's hard going through the editing process, man. I really fried out in that process. Um, I remember what I was getting to with the um, AI. I was searching for something. If people couldn't tell my audience, it was probably like, he's searching for an idea that he lost track of. It's the Alzheimer's kicking in, folks. Um, back to our AI discussion, if we can flip back to that. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing about AI... One thing I found, and I never really understood it until I did my book and went through editing, was being able to preserve one's voice, my voice, in my mm -hmm. book. And I think that's what maybe a lot of people might make mistakes on with AI, is you're going to lose your voice, especially if you don't edit that stuff. And even then, I don't talk the way ChatGPT does. Like anybody, if I did a book, you know, ChatGPT wrote most of it, and even if I lightly edited it, people are like, uh, all the comments in the right place. That's clearly yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that's that. This when you read a book that's effective, you have this feeling that the author is talking to you, and that's yeah. voice. That's how that happens. Yeah. Um, I had I had like people write me uh, a few different people pitched bed at the book, yeah. and I had people send me their you know I was like here's a chapter you know or some a couple yeah. pages mess with it. And they sent me the thing back, and I never really got how important my voice was in the preservation of my text until I saw other people write, edit my book, and I was like, yeah. "You wrote this book. It sounds like a woman wrote this book. This is this is in a feminine yeah. voice, and not in the Chris Voss yeah. voice." And even people wrote in a masculine voice. I was just like, "Dude, I can hear your voice. Yeah. This is, mine's gone. Like you've you completely wow. exited my voice from the text." Well, when I edit people, my job is to enable them to be the best version of themselves they can be mm -hmm. not to enable them to be me talking the way i do it 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 is interesting though that you can ask an ai to write in a voice and you can people have shown me this you can say you know write this the way that josh burnoff would write it mm -hmm. and that that gives me the creeps man <laughs> i'm looking at this thing and i'm like wait a minute how does it know how I write? And I'm like, no, that's not really me, but it's got some things that remind me of me. And that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, then your problem is of what if there's another person whose name like you. And so it's going to pick up that other person. Uh, oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I understand so, your, your issue. Yeah. And there's, oh, well, we have a lot of authors on the show that are, you know, like their last name's Anderson. Like I've had people on the show that, you know, their name is, is similar to, uh, you know, the basis for, uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, and you know, they have all sorts of SEO problems like I do. And, uh, you know, it, so you ask her the right in the, in the thing. I, I, um, I was fascinated. I asked, uh, chat GPT to write a biography for me. And, uh, among other things, apparently I, uh, have a bachelor's degree in classics from Harvard university oh, and, you an did? and an MBA from the, uh, Harvard business school. Well, Run with it. I've never gone to Harvard. I've never gotten an MBA at any school, but apparently people who have the qualifications I do, that's what they're like. So it makes sense to chat GPT that, that I went to Harvard, even though I didn't. <laughs> Note to self, I need to start gaming because I think there's a way to game chat GPT or search results that Chris Voss is the most sexiest man in the world and uh, is ridiculously more good looking than uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. I need to start gaming that into the system somehow. So ChatGPT just starts serving that whenever someone asks that's, who's the sexiest man in the world. That's actually very easy to do. It's just very expensive. Oh, oh, that's, you basically that's have, in life. have to set up a bot farm to create a bunch of content for you. So. I'm going to do it. It will improve my Tinder dates. I don't know. Hey, this is this is somebody, uh, one of our Facebook uh, friends uh, has put in here. Back in 2011, my former <laughs> wife edited my book. <laughs> All the stories that explain my voice. Uh, okay, well, that's the former thing is doing a lot <laughs> of a lot of uh, uh, carrying weight here. Um, did you put that in the book? May note this. Did you put that in the book? Don't have your ex-wife edit your book. Um, <laughs> no, but you might need to update and chapter well, for that. Okay. <laughs> well, I it's it's interesting that that first of all, when I edit things, I always say this is what you should do, and this is why. But it is a big mistake to have somebody edit your book that you have any sort of relationship with. Ah, I I will say this. This is this is true. When I when I edit people's work, uh, and this was true especially when I was at Forrester, where it was my job to be really hard on prose. People would be like, 
oh man, you are making me work harder than I ever did before on this. This is so much work. And then we'd get to the end and they'd say, can you help me with my next one? Right. <laughs> so, so, but that's because I was trying to help them be the best version of them. They could be not, not doing what this guy's former wife did for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and she clearly, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'd like to be a, uh, uh, a fly on the wall in that divorce court. You know, you did this, you edited my story. Uh, though. I, I Maybe well, that was the promotion. He, he had, as, as you well know, it is, it is, the editor's job to point out the problems and suggest solutions, but it is the author's job to decide what to keep and what advice not to listen to. So yeah. this person is at least partly responsible for listening to to his editor. Um, that's a lot easier to, to do if you're not married to them at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a bit, yeah, I can see why that would uh, just go wrong. I mean, clearly she had issues with you before that. So, you know, she's, she probably took out all of his stories and then she, she wrote in like, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't do chore play and, and put the shit socks away. And, <laughs> well, look, on the floor my, and so, yeah. my wife is an artist <clears throat> and she has absolutely no interest in my books and we get along great. And that's yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually how most wives work. They have no interest in, in who they're, in, except when the paycheck comes. Anyway, that's a joke. People don't write me. <laughs> um, so uh, another thing from YouTube, Dan Kendall's Kelson coming in from Boston, Plexiclam town, Plexicam town. I don't know what not. that is. Oh, uh, you know, so, we use Plexicam for the show. There's a thing that holds uh, the camera. That's probably was, Oh, the many challenges of authorship. Maybe that should be an, another book that that gentleman who wrote in uh, that comment should be like, uh, maybe that's the title of his next book. Never let your ex-wife write your book title or your book. So, I don't know. There's something there. Uh, oh, here's the, it gets better. This is just going to become a show right here. Um, laugh out loud. I never published <laughs> threats. Uh, uh, you know, this may not be a good book to publish, wow. but that this could is, be an excellent novel. I think what we need to do is have do another show, Josh, and have you on and have whoever this is, is on, and we can do a, a like a... A whole workshop, a whole ther therapy thing, therapy thing, well, I mean, well, therapy workshop. We'll bring in a therapist and well, we'll, we'll it, just do it, a whole thing here. It might interest you to know. So when I do these idea development sessions with authors, I say, okay, it's going to be you and me, and a third person who you trust who can stand in for the audience. Ah, and I had to add in an extra thing, which is, and that you're not married to. <laughs> Because I want that third person to be able to say, no, I don't get it. Or, oh, that sounds stupid. Yeah. And not have any of the interpersonal dynamics mess that up. They have to be able to be honest. And that's not a good role for someone you're married to. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe you need to add a whole new chapter in your book about uh, um, therapy and marriage and psychology. And I don't know. I'm just kidding. Don't add that to your book. Uh, there are husbands <laughs> and wives that write books together. But. I wouldn't do it that way. You know, we've had them on the show and they're lovely people, but you can tell there's some tension there sometimes when I'm talking about the book or interviewing them. You really can. And like, and like sometimes I've had a husband and wife, right? They do psychology for, you know, how to have a happy marriage. And I'm just, uh, sometimes I'll watch the show in the green room and I'm like, there's some tension going on there. I can, well, I, I can see what's I, going on. I can't resist sharing this, right? Okay. So the first book I wrote, my co-author was a woman named Charlene Lee. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, brilliant person. And it was a really intense experience for us to work together. It was a sort of an intellectual version of a marriage. And one of my wife's friends was like, aren't you worried that Josh is spending all this time with Charlene? And I'm like, <laughs> she said, no, and of course not, because that was a, a knockdown, drag out intellectual kind of, of uh, you know, collaboration. And that was it. <laughs> It was, it, our relationship was a, a totally on the intellectual plane, and that has nothing to do with what, what's going on in the romantic plane with somebody you're married to. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so this has been pretty interesting, man. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that's in here. How to write a first chapter that yeah. creates powerful motivation by emotionally connecting with your readers, uh, planning your book, structuring chapters uh, that no reader can put down. That's something that's really good. Collaborate with co-authors, editors, and ghostwriters without excessive bloodshed. Wait, there's blood? Oh, uh, there can be. Yeah. Well, come on. You just talked about what it was like to work with an editor. So, yeah. That I, I had a great experience with my editor. It was just the bloodletting of, you know, you write all that stuff and, you know, you write 100,000 words and 50 pages or yeah. 500 pages, whatever. And they hand it back to you and they're like, these two pages are good. The rest we just kind of threw in the trash. 
you know, and then you look <laughs> through the trash and go, oh, probably so. But no, it was more the editing than the editor. I love my editor, but uh, it was the editing. Just It was just so, you know, I wrote the book in like, you know, most of the book is a memoir of my stories that I've been telling for 50 million years and lessons from the stories in business. So it was really easy to pound the book because I'd just been mm -hmm. telling those stories forever. Now I'm actually going to have to write something for my next book. <laughs> I have to make some shit up for the next book. But, uh, you know, these are important lessons. And I, I highly recommend people check out your book because writing better books are, are good. And the, they might get you on the Chris Voss show because, uh, we get pitched so much stuff, dude, and there's so many weird, there's so much weird stuff. But hey, you know, it's like one of those. It's like back in the day when there used to be a magazine for everything. There was like a magazine for hangnails yeah. and even. So here's here's what I think you ought to do. Whenever you get a pitch from an author, you need to say, "What is it that makes your book big? What is it that makes it right? And why is it new?" Uh -huh. Okay, and if they can answer those questions, if, if they come to you with that, they're, you're like, oh, this person's got a brain. Maybe I'm going to get somewhere. But if they can't answer those those questions, then don't have them on. Yeah. And then, like, well, we read your book, and it sucks, too. And I'm like, yeah, but I have a yeah. podcast, and you don't. So, no, 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 no. See how that works? That's the whole reason I'm the host. I don't have to be interesting. I just have to be kind of funny every now and then. We bring on, you know, we bring on the smart people like yourself. Uh, you know, everybody knows why we have guests on the show. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, King. What's his face? The interviewer from CNN. Larry um, King. Larry King. The guy's a fucking idiot. Like, but he just has great people on the show. That's not true. I love Larry King. That's a mean thing to say. I'm going to hell for sure. Anyway, guys. Uh, so, uh, anything more you want to tease out, Josh? Before we go, this has been a fun show, especially the whole wife thing that came in there. <laughs> okay. Um, well, whatever whatever your readers' questions are, if you're thinking about writing a business book, if you're in the middle of it and you're in pain, mm -hmm. if you're having writer's block, if you can't figure out the right way to get published, anything. Uh, for any nonfiction books, I've tried to answer all those questions. So burnoff.com slash books, go take a look. And if you want to communicate clearly with people in the office at the risk of them actually understanding what you're saying, that's uh, writing without bullshit, the previous book. There you go. Check that out as well, folks. Uh, all of his books. Uh, go on Amazon. You can find him. Just Google his name. Uh, thank you very much, Josh, for coming to the show. We really appreciate it. It's been fun. Um, hey, it's been great to be here. And uh definitely wackier than any other podcast i've ever done so that was fun yeah i never had anybody write in the former wife in my book uh thing that, that made it uh, the second half of the show just got better with that i was like yeah all right so there you go uh anyway to my audience thanks for tuning in we certainly appreciate you guys being here as always refer to the show to your family friends and relatives guilt them you know you have to have at least five relatives in your downline according to the chris Voss show we're not a multi-level marketing but we are we do guilt and shame here so please refer to the show friends and relatives go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss youtube.com for chess chris foss linkedin.com for says chris foss if you're not subscribed to linkedin big newsletter that thing is killing it over there it grows like a weed every day i'm just like who subscribed to this thing um and it's me uh which is make it makes it more uh astonishing uh also go to uh, tiktok chris foss world and the chris foss show podcast on TikTok. thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and uh, order up the book wherever fine books are sold build a better business book how to plan write and promote a book that matters a comprehensive guide for authors out june 20th 2023 see you next time I kind of missed the uh, plug there at the end.